Well, good morning, church. Hey, it's great to be here with you. And I just want to echo that, you know, with Christmas right around the corner. Uh, let's invite. Let's invite family. Let's invite friends. It's going to be a great service. We're going to sing some, some traditional Christmas songs. You're going to hear a, a message that's going to be applicable for you and your, your kids. It's going to be a very, very family-friendly service. Uh, we're going to have a story to share with the kids. And then we're going to even end with some candlelight. So it's going to be a really nice service. Encourage you to invite Whoever you can, use the social media idea uh, if that helps you. But uh, let's, let's celebrate in style and uh, see some people experience God uh, around here. Amen? Isn't that what we want? We want to see that. Uh, we are continuing our series, um, Unto Us, based on this, this passage from Isaiah 9-6, uh, this prophecy uh, that, that Israel would have held on to. I mean, it, it's a prophecy... Um, given by the prophet Isaiah, uh, promising that the, the people of God will experience God for themselves. And we said as we're in this Advent season, uh, Advent has to do with kind of entering into the Christmas story and getting ready to celebrate Christmas Day and the birth of Christ, what that's all about. It also has to do with this idea of getting our hearts ready for the second coming, because at any moment, Jesus could return. But I said there's also a third meaning to it, is that we want to experience Jesus, right now, we, we want to encounter him and experience him in our lives because he makes himself available to us right now. He gives us access to himself. Now, that's the benefit of living in this New Testament era. Jesus has already done everything. He's fulfilled this prophecy so that we can experience him. And these different ways we experience him, we talked about it week one, wonderful counselor. He can guide our lives. He can give us direction. Last week we saw that he is a mighty God, and no matter what burdens or struggles, uh, stress, worries we're carrying, he can carry those for us. And this morning we're going to talk about this third aspect of, of, of who Jesus is and what we get to experience as his people, as his followers, which is everlasting Father, everlasting Father. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, my father-in-law lives on uh, some, some property, about 10 acres up north, and it's beautiful property, and he treats it, you know, like a golf course. You, you know, the way he manicures his lawn and takes care of you, you it's almost like Augusta, right, when you, uh, you pull in. And, and so one thing that's true about my father-in-law, though, he likes to, he likes to play golf, and, and I'm, not a big, I'm not a big golfer. I'll just tell you, I, I don't really play the game. I don't have the, the money. I don't have the time, all right, to play. I don't know how some of you do it, but he, he loves to play golf. I'm really bad at it. In fact, I one time worked with a golf pro to go out and, like, get some lessons. Uh, you know, this was, like, weeks of lessons, and at the end, he said, you should try putt-putt, okay? I mean, it's, it's, it's bad. And yet my father-in-law, every time I'm up, like during the summer when it's nice out, he wants to get out and hit the golf ball around. So he gets the irons out. And I remember, the, 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 especially early on doing this with him, on his beautiful manicured lawn, right, getting out there and swinging this club. And I'm leaving these giant divots in, 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 in his yard. And I'm talking about like giant divots, like dirt flying and you can imagine every swing. And I'm missing the ball, by the way. So I'm having to swing over and over. 
And by the time it's done, I mean, I've left these giant craters in his, in his yard. And I am just feeling terrible. I'm feeling, I'm feeling really bad. Uh, and and, and I, I look at him, I say, I'm sorry. I'm just, golf is not my game. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, I'm not trying to raise grass. I'm trying to raise kids. And that is something that has stuck with me. And... Uh, Something that a good father says. And, and I, I don't know what kind of father you had growing up. I don't know if you had a good father. Maybe you, you didn't have a, such a good father. Maybe some of you didn't even know your father growing up. I'm here to tell you this morning, you have a heavenly father who is a good, good father. You know, there's somebody in the Bible who didn't have Apparently, the greatest relationship with his dad. And you, you maybe never heard this before, thought about this before, but my study leads me to believe that David, and I'm talking about King David, did not have the greatest relationship with his, with his father. And, and part of this is, is, is from um, the story that we read about in 1 Samuel, where God shows up to his prophet at the time, Samuel, and says, um, I'm going to call somebody else other than Saul to be the next king of Israel. And this next king is going to come from the house of Jesse. Jesse is the father of David, along with many other sons. So Saul is called by God to go to the house of Jesse and there, God is going to give him revelation which son is to become the next king of Israel. And so we read about this in 1 Samuel 16. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, this is one of the, the sons of Jesse. The, the sons have made themselves present. Surely... This is the Lord's anointed. That was Samuel's first thought. Surely this is, this is the next king. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, uh, for I have rejected him. I mean, he's not to be the king. The Lord doesn't see the things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son, Abinadab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. So next, Jesse summoned Shemiah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. And then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Listen to this. Well, there is still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So what does Jesse do? He finds out that one of his sons is going to be called to be the next king of Israel. And 
Jesse leaves David out in the field. That, that, you mean the kid who's watching the sheep playing the harp for them? I'm not inviting them to, him to the table. I want you to think for a second how David must have felt about that. Being left out. All the other sons brought forth, David gets left out. We know the family relationship was somewhat strained. In fact, uh, David is the one, of course, that when he shows up, God is going to make it clear this is to be the next king. He doesn't become king right away. And you fast forward to the story of Israel's battle against the Philistines where Goliath shows up and all that goes down. We read about this in the next chapter when David, um, I should say David, uh, is there asking questions like what's going on when he shows up to this battle. And it says, when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the other men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and your deceit. You just want to see the battle. And David's like, what have I done now? David replied, I was only asking a question. Hey, this, is a, this is a guy, we don't realize this. David is constantly being attacked by his, his family. He's left out uh, of even being considered to be king. His brother's giving him a hard time. And maybe you've never read this in the Psalms, but it's no surprise that David says this in Psalm 27. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. So he's saying, my father and mother, they've forsaken me. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know. But David here is saying, but I have a heavenly father who accepts me and brings me in to his family. Again, I'm here to tell us this morning that you have a heavenly father. No matter what kind of relationship, good or bad, you have with your earthly father, you have a heavenly father who loves you and accepts you and invites you into his family. And that's good news for us. You know, I was doing some research this past week on when did we start to have last names and, and receive last names. You know, it's something we just kind of assume, you know, has always been the case. It hasn't. Um, in the medieval period, uh, at least in the West, as towns grew bigger, um, they decided that in order to better identify people, they were going to have to stop going by just first names and they were going to actually have to go by last names. And so the last name that you would take on would be the name of your father. Okay, so you would receive the, the, the last name would be the name of your father. It's something called a, a patronymic for those of you who are interested in this kind of thing. And it simply means the name of your father. So we have like popular names even today, like the name, for example, Johnson. Well, what does Johnson mean? Son of John. So this is the idea, okay? And it's to help identify what family you belong to, who you are. Now, let me say something also about this idea of sonship, of son, because in American culture, 
We tend to think son refers specifically to males. You need to understand that biblically speaking, sonship does not specifically just mean males. Sonship is more the idea of heirship, those who are heirs, those who are kids of. So son, son is a broad term, can re- refer to sons and daughters, referring to those who are heirs, those who are kids. But what I'm here to tell us again this morning is that you have another last name. I don't know what your earthly last name is and what, what father, you know, you come from. But you have another, another last name I want to suggest to you, which is, which is Godson. You are a son, an heir, a kid of the Most High God. That's, that's your last name. If you are in Christ, you need to know that is your last name. You are a godson. You need to know who you are. And the way you discover who you are is by knowing who you belong to. To know who I am, I must know whose I am. You are a godson. You belong to the family of God. Now, I want you to imagine with me an eagle, okay? Imagine this eagle. He grows up and he doesn't know his mom and dad. So he finds himself running with a pack of turkeys. Flock of turkeys? I don't know what it is. What's a group of turkeys? A bunch of turkeys. (laughs) This eagle finds himself with these bunches of turkeys, okay? And he, he starts to realize he is different. He is not like these turkeys. These turkeys walk a certain way. They have a long neck. The eagle doesn't have a long neck. He doesn't walk like these turkeys do. The turkeys gobble and have a certain way they talk. And the eagle can't really gobble like that. So he notices he doesn't talk like these turkeys. He doesn't walk like them. He doesn't talk like them. When they fly, they they fly short distances, but something just doesn't seem right about that to the eagle. And they begin to give the eagle a hard time for being so different. But one day, another eagle shows up. And the eagle comes along, this eagle, hanging out with these turkeys, and he says, brah. Because that's what I imagine an eagle would say. To another eagle, like bra. You are not a turkey. You are an eagle. Start acting like one. And so he shows the eagle how to flap his wings and fly. And they start flying higher than they've ever flown before. This eagle is now in the air higher than he ever did with the turkeys. In fact, he's soaring. And that's when he realizes, I'm not a turkey. I'm an eagle. Some of you have been hanging out with turkeys. Some of you have let turkeys tell you who you should be and who you shouldn't be. Some of you have had things said to you, you've had things done to you that made you think you are a turkey. And isn't that interesting how we can let people and what they say 
become gospel in our lives? Why is that? Why is it that if a person or a group of people say something about us and that's their opinion, even if there's a little truth in it, it becomes like the whole truth and it becomes gospel. Why, why do we allow that? Why can words have that much power over us? But see, you're listening to a turkey when you're an eagle. Some of us, we do it to ourselves. You're hard on yourself. You're, you're always beating yourself up, saying things, negative things about yourself. Some of you, you know, I'm so stupid. Why can't I do anything, anything right? Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't make me come down there. If you're doing that to yourself. I've done that to myself in the past. And one of the things I've especially beat myself up over is, I don't know, for some reason I had this notion that I should be good at everything. Anybody else? And then when I'm not good at something, I just, I beat my, I just wonder why I'm not good at that, why other people are, and I feel so bad, you know, about myself. Like something's wrong with me. Well, friends, even amongst the eagles, we have different talents and different skills and things we're good at. Um, you know, early on in my, my, my Christian walk, I, I, wanted, I originally wanted to be a worship leader. I played in a worship band. I played on a worship team, and I was leading a youth group in this band. And I remember one day the worship leader was going to be out of town, so they asked me to step up and lead. So I practiced all week. I prayed all week. I was like, wow, God, you're really opening the door to be a worship leader. And then I got out there, and uh, it did not go well, okay? Because I've told you before, I can't sing. That's kind of a problem if you want to lead people in worship. And so I started singing, and, I mean, it was going bad. I, I mean, right, dogs howling in the distance, and it got so bad, I was supposed to do four songs. The youth leader stepped up and, and said, okay, okay, everybody. We're going to go ahead and go into group time. I was like, uh, we still have two songs to do. He was like, well, we'll, we'll do those two songs, you know, never, okay? And, uh, and I, I learned that day, and I remember beating myself up and feeling like, like, what's wrong with me? But friends, here's what God has shown me, and here's what some of us, I think, need to hear. You don't have to be good at everything. It's okay. You don't have to be good at everything. It's okay not to be good at everything. But here's what the eagle does. When the eagle doesn't exactly feel good about himself and the eagle feels like he's getting beat up, you know what the eagle does when other people are, 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 are talking about him and, 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 and he's starting to feel bad and the burdens and the worries and cares. You know what the eagle, the eagle just soars higher, closer to God. And I'm telling you, even if you don't know what you're good at, when you do that, when you fly closer to God, God will make it clear what you are good at and help you in whatever that is. Friends, you're not a turkey. You're an eagle who can soar, who can soar closer to God and get the help of God in your life. Romans 12.2 says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. Some of you need to change the way you think. You need to start changing the way you think about yourself. You need to start realizing you're not a turkey. You are an eagle. You need to change. You are a son or a daughter of the most high God. You've got to change the way you see yourself. Change the way you think about yourself. You've got to realize you are a part of a amazing family, the family of God. And when you realize that you have a loving father, you're going to see that his will for your life, it's good. It's pleasing. It's a perfect will for your life. This is why I've encouraged us to adopt the Apostle John mindset. Most of us are raised to adopt the Apostle Peter mindset. Okay? Now, what is the difference between the Apostle Peter and the Apostle John? The Apostle Peter's mindset was, Jesus, I love you. Now, that's not bad. That's good. In fact, we're commanded to love Jesus, but that's not where it starts. But this was the Apostle Peter's mindset. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Constantly trying to prove himself to God and to others. What was the Apostle John's mindset? I am the disciple that Jesus loves. That's how John talked about himself. That's literally how John talks about himself. I don't know of one occasion where John talks about loving Jesus. He did. He talks multiple times about being the disciple that Jesus loves. In fact, when we fast forward to the crucifixion and the trial and how all that went down, it's very interesting that Peter, who put on this like external uh, bravery, this external confidence and toughness when he was under fire, you know, being questioned at Jesus' trial. You remember how that ends up? He ends up denying Jesus and, and even saying, I never even knew the man. Meanwhile, there's a disciple, at least one disciple, who never ran away. John. We, we read about this in, in, in John 19. Listen to this. Standing near the cross where Jesus is being crucified, where Jesus' mother and his mother's sisters, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, this is John talking about himself, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son, talking about John. And he said to this disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. And so what is Jesus doing? As he's hanging on the cross, he's saying, John, take care of my mother. And mom, John is now going to take care of you. And do you notice the difference here? Peter has run away. The guy always trying to prove himself. The guy always trying to be tough. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. And meanwhile, the guy who simply said, no, I am loved, he's the guy still there at the end. Isn't that amazing? I think some of us, maybe we think that's even egotistical. Maybe we think, you know, it just, it just sounds like, I, I'm sure it was hard for the other disciples to hear John talking about himself that way. But the reality is, John didn't put on this external, you know, bravery, this, this external tough guy act. But inwardly, he was tough because he knew he was loved by Jesus. Jesus. 
Some of us this morning need to realize how loved we are by Jesus because that's what changes everything. 1 John 4.19, this is John again who says this. We love. Why? Because he first loved us. The reason we have anything to give away. Peter didn't have anything to give away. John had something to give away. Why? Because he realized how loved he was. This morning, my hope for us is we'd be able just to bask in the love of Jesus. That you would be able to receive it this morning into your heart. That you'd be able to receive it into your life. Jesus is here. Do we believe that, church? He makes his presence available to us. He, he wants you to experience him. And so you made it to church. Good job. There's a power when we meet, and there's a power when we do this thing. And you have an opportunity to, to use this time that you've invested in this morning to just let your heart be filled with the love of Christ. See it kind of as a wave. I want you to feel this wave coming up over you this morning. And your heart being maybe like a bucket that just, <laughs> just catches it, just receives it. So that you walk out of here today overflowing with it. With something to give maybe to somebody else this week. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to have a sit here. We're going to have some music playing. You're just going to have some time to just meditate and contemplate. Let the love of your everlasting Father wash over you. And remind you, not a turkey, <laughs> you're an eagle. Let's do that, church.